Well, it's beginning to look a little bit like Christmas. What do you think? Or a lot. Gorgeous day out there, huh? Really wonderful. Nice and cold. Everybody's thrilled. Yeah. Anyway, it does look like Christmas up here. Those who uh, decorated, thank you very much. Doesn't it look nice? Yeah, it even makes me look good, and that's a miracle. So, Well, I'm in a series called Grace um, Illustrated. Can't get any better than what we're talking about today, more illustrated than what we're singing about. And I wanted that song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, to be just before I preached because it talks about this amazing thing, incarnation. So my title today is Grace Incarnate, and uh, that is uh, the subject. And if you have a bulletin, you will find that uh, I, I did put the notes in order, bullets. I will put them on the screen, and everybody will be happy, right? Well, now, some of I, I can't make everybody happy, but at least those of you who like to be able to follow along, that will work, right? I don't know that there is any uh, natural illustration or, or situation that would adequately describe the coming of Jesus, uh, the, the comparison, if you will, the wonder of the visit. I mean, I've, I've lived in Montgomery now for four years. I have answered the door on occasion and had police officers at my door. That gets my attention. Now, some of them I knew. Uh, not to mention any names, Jim or Ed O'Connell. They've both been at my house. Uh, Ed was a lot of fun. He pulled into my driveway, threw all his lights on, you know. Get the. <laughs> By the way, we live in Orange County. Nobody cares. They didn't pay any attention. I have a son-in-law that flies helicopters. He flew over the house, put a huge light in the middle of the night. I mean, and he stayed there for five minutes. Nobody even looked out the window. Such is the world we live in. So that's why we're called to witness, right? But I have had on occasion police officers at my door. Usually that may have a positive or a negative connotation, like, am I in trouble? Or... Is there something going on in the neighborhood? But that, that really doesn't capture it. I was thinking about um, the film The King's Speech. Did anybody see that? And having the king or the duke, who was he at the time? See, it's been a long time. I only saw it once. I want to see it again. It was an excellent film. Duke of Windsor, that's what I thought. And he had a speech impediment. He goes to this um, instructor, uh, therapist, and the tension of this commoner with this royalty showing up at his, at his door maybe smells a little bit more like what we're talking about. This kind of like, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? I want to just remind us that our series is on this word grace, God's kindness, part of his nature that manifests toward us, his great love for us the way he shows kindness in ways that we don't deserve. And just by way of reminder, let me bring up the theological statement from Millard Erickson's theology. God deals with with his people not on the basis of their merit or worthiness, what they deserve. Everybody with me? Not on that basis. I mean, think about the world right now. Uh, last, last week I made a joke saying uh, I could have made the title, Where in the World is Matt Lauer? Where is uh, 
Franken, where are all these people at right now? Suppose God dealt with us according to what we deserve. Poof! All done. You're maybe thinking, sure glad I'm not like any of those people. You grow older and get gray hair, you discover you really are. You just haven't acted out on some of it. But simply according to their need, he he acts. In other words, he deals with them on the basis of his goodness and his generosity. Can everybody say amen? Amen. One more reminder. It means that God supplies us with what kind of favors? Undeserved favors. The passage that we're looking at today, if you want to take your Bible out you, uh, from the pew, it's John chapter 1. It's very easy to find. I'm going to read it to you. It's on page 1058 in the black Bible in your seat, if you want to follow along with that. But here's what it says. And you're going to recognize it if you've been a Christian for a while. If you're a visitor here and you don't know what this, uh, these Jesus people are about, Uh, Hopefully by today you'll know a little bit more and we would be delighted to share with you in depth. But here's what it says. He was in the world and the world was made through him. This is verse 10, by the way, starting in verse 10. The world was made through him. The world did not know him. He came to his own. Those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, because it was not absolute, thankfully there were some who did, To them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Not born of the blood, not from a physical act, nor the will of the flesh, the desire that men and women have for each other, nor for the will of man, a choice simply to have children, but from God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. That's pretty clear, isn't it? For of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. Let's pray together. Help us, Holy Father, to have ears to hear. If we know you, uh, to appreciate who it is that showed up at our door. If we haven't entered into life, Lord, that uh, your visit on, on, on our planet to rescue us, the only way to the true and living God who made all that is, that, Lord, that trip would not be wasted in any life that is listening to my words today. I pray, Father, for your help today. In the great name of Jesus and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Unmerited favors. This one full of grace and truth comes into the world. We need to know exactly who he is. And let's start with a very simple thing. We were, it was already mentioned in worship today, and that is the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Did I skip Advent? Was it up there? Ah, look at that. Advent. There it is. What is Advent? Anybody know? I know it's a season in the church, especially in high churches. Exactly, exactly, exactly. 
Nobody heard what she said, right? It's a Latin word, adventus, which means to appear or coming, the coming. It can be used, if you're using the Latin, it's advent. If you're using Greek, it's the parousia. Anybody recognize that word? It's the word for the second coming of Jesus. It also can be used for his first coming. It means he comes. It's an arrival. He's on the scene. The grace of God manifested in his very presence among us. Why should he come to my door? Why should he come down to our door, so to speak? Why? It doesn't make sense. You want to talk about undeserved favor. The world did not deserve his arrival. Shouldn't that be clear? It's an undeserved favor. Here's what it says as we just read through it. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. A couple of words that are useful to unpack. The first one is... He dwelt among us. Interesting language. The Greek word is to tabernacle. Right? Some of your versions might even say that. To tabernacle. What does that immediately bring your mind? Partly? What else? Come on. This is not a trick question. Nobody can fail. I'm not, I'm not giving grades today. Nobody, nobody fails. Thank you. The Old Testament. Anybody remember the Old Hey, how many of you have been reading the Old Testament out of um, the day? All three of you. No, it's more than. Been reading, right? What happened in the Old Testament? They set up the tabernacle. They committed to the Lord. They dedicated. What happens? The God arrives. He shows up. The glory of God fills the tabernacle. It's so spectacular. It's so intense because, like, if God showed up in this room, we'd all be dead. You understand that? They, like, they couldn't go in because of the glory. Does everybody understand that? That's what's amazing about incarnation. But tabernacled. If you've read the Old Testament stories, you've been through... How many of you have been through at least as far as judges, right? Been through... Did you notice that those people were really righteous and godly and upright? Not so much. (laughs) Did they deserve to have a holy God tabernacle among them? No, it's undeserved favor. Do you get it? It's undeserved. Oh, see, grace is in the New Testament. No, grace is all over the Old Testament. It's all over the Old Testament and the New Testament. The word became flesh and tabernacled among us. We beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. The word only begotten appears numerous times. Some people think of it as just like having one child. It has more meaning than that. It can be used that way. But when we read the only begotten, the other way you can translate that is unique. Unique. Okay, so this is a pathetic comparison. But I want you to know, these glasses that I'm wearing, now I can't even see you, uh, are only begotten. You want to know why? No, not because they're my um, prescription, because someone else might have the same prescription. Here's what happened. When I got these glasses, I had a friend who was an optometrist, and he said... uh, 
I was trying to save money, as most people try to do, especially preachers. But anyway, trying to save money. I said, you know, I really do like the round. He said, they don't make them anymore. I'm like, I really like the round because, like, all the cool people, John Lennon, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and uh, who, who, uh, Prokofiev. Who? Who? Prokofiev. You ever hear of Peter and the Wolf? He wrote it. They all wore round glasses, so they're really cool. So, of course, I have to be really cool. That's a joke. I really don't care about being really cool. But anyway, he said, hmm, well, I'll tell you what. I have one set of glasses that can still be cut round ones. They're discontinued. Would you like them? Yes. I said, what about frames? Here's the, here, I can almost throw you these frames because these frames have been discontinued. So there's no more of these and there's no more of those and I've got the combo together. These are only begotten. Really unique. Are you following? As cool as that is, that's like <clears throat> compared to the really unique Son of God who entered into the world. He's unique in an amazing way. He's the only Son of God that is also God and man. He is not the Son of God like we are sons and daughters of God. It's totally different. It's totally unique. One of a kind. In fact, in the Old Testament... When uh, Abraham was given the promise, do you remember he was supposed to sacrifice his son? Anybody get the idea what that picture was all about? He's supposed to sacrifice his son. Is that like familiar to anybody? Does it connote anything? And at the last minute, God saves his, you know, says, don't, 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 don't. How did, how did, um, so this is Bible quiz time today. I'm just, I didn't have enough data in my sermon, so i got to ask you a question. I'm lying. <clears throat> Forgive me, Lord. Anyway, what did he do? He and Sarah, they tried to solve the promised one, the unique son issue themselves, remember? Was Isaac his only son? No. No, and yet... God says to him, using in the Greek the Septuagint version of the Old Testament, take your only, your only son, yes, take him and sacrifice him. So one was unique. He was the child of promise. He was the unique one. And Jesus Christ is the unique God-man sent into the world to save sinners. Just to be clear that there's no question in John's thinking that... The promised one is, in fact, God in the flesh. Wait a minute. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Opening line, our JW friends totally mangle the Greek on that. It's very clear. It's saying that the divine being was, in fact, God and became flesh, okay? That's why things like this, sorry you saw the picture too early. Back in the 15th century or 16th century, artists making pictures of the nativity. You can see multiple pictures like this. What's hidden in it is, do you notice the light emanating? That's what they're trying to capture. That's artists are trying to communicate something, right? That's why they do art. And so he, they're communicating there's something unique about this child and the light of God is emanating off this infant. I don't think it literally looked like that, by the way. This is not a photograph. 
by the way. They didn't have cameras back then. Just, just wanted to clarify. And uh, no, it was not probably like that. But it's communicating divinity, shining into the faces of humanity. Who is this person at my door? I don't deserve a visit from him. I really don't. But he chose to tabernacle among us. By the way, can I give you a little theological sidebar? Could I? Thank you for saying yes, because you knew I was going to do it anyway, even if... But I'd like you to agree with me, so uh, at least once in a while. Uh, Theological sidebar about the divine. That is, that this text is talking about Jesus being, in fact, the God-man, and it references John the Baptist comes on the scene, and he makes this description. He was before I was, right? And he's talking about this reality. Just to back up what John the Baptist knew by revelation from the Spirit, earlier on, uh, later on in Jesus' life, he gets into an argument with Pharisees. You know, that happened a lot. And as they're discussing who's right and who's wrong and all of that, Jesus gets into this conversation with them and says this, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, speaking of Abraham, He saw it and was glad. Can we do a little math here? Abraham's hundreds and hundreds of years earlier, right? I mean, I mean like 17? Something like that? How far back was it? You're the the Bible teacher. How far back is it? I should have checked. Anyway, long time. More than a millennium. Abraham was on the scene. It says, he rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. Those who thought they were defending God, who were not actually, therefore said to him, you're not 50 years old. How could you have seen Abraham? You know, it's like, duh. Jesus said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Very precise language. Very clear that he's referencing the same kind of language out of the Old Testament. I am has sent you to deliver the Israelites. I am. Very clear. He is the living one. He's the eternal being. And Abraham saw the day of Jesus leaving the heavenly portals to come to earth. How else would he be able to see that and rejoice? Unless it was prophetic of some sort. Anyway, very clearly, before Abraham was, I am. What's really interesting is that as I was searching out some of the data on this through different um, scholars, in Hebrew thought, those who were older were wiser. And Jesus is actually saying, uh, you're actually missing something, even though I'm 30 years old. I'm older. I know more. There's a dimension to this of priority and authority that he is, in fact, the God-man. This is good news. The advent of Jesus into the world is grace because it's certainly undeserved. We didn't deserve to be rescued. As Walter Wangeren in his story about fishing, remember we were fishing on the side of the cliff and didn't realize what trouble we were in? He said, it wasn't he that got us, it wasn't dad that got us into this mess. We did this ourselves, but here he is, stooping down, crawling on his stomach, undignified for a doctor to rescue us. It wasn't his fault. You have a question? Yes. 
That's, yeah. I thought, yeah, I just said, I think he saw the exit of the Savior from heaven. That's what I would guess. But, you know, it's probably not a hill I would die on, but of course I'm right. Anyway, so. <laughs> it is not a major fundamental what you think on that one. But you better believe Jesus is God or you're not fundamental or, or, or orthodox, if I dare say it that way. So Advent is a manifestation of the grace of God. It's grace illustrated, amen, because we didn't deserve it. What comes with it is acceptance, right? Acceptance. Here's what the scripture tells us as you work your way through the passage. It tells us that as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God even to those who believe in his name. As many as received him. We should probably figure out what this means because it sounds kind of heavy, doesn't it? Yeah, those who receive him. The word receive is to take to yourself. You get a hold of it. It's used throughout the New Testament about laying hold of faith and life and all of that. It means to receive, make it yours. The picture would be back in those days, you know, hospitality was an important issue. And if a person came into a town and as a prophet or as a teacher, the saints would receive them into their home. They would feed them, give them a place to stay so they could operate out of that location. That was receiving them. But you get the implication. If you receive them that way, then you're supporting and agreeing with all that they're doing. When I receive Jesus, I take him to myself. I make him my savior. The implication is I also agree with everything he's telling me. See, we like to pray prayer, and I know I, I hate to bring that up. Let me just park there for a minute, all right? So there you go. Received him. Those who received him, what did he do for them? He gave them authority. Now, again, I, I think so many illustrations trying to communicate the glory of God are so anemic. But how many of you have ever had, um, well, I'll show you what I have. This is actually not the real one because I foolishly threw them away only about three weeks ago. I should have kept them for today, but I got a phony here. This is a phony um, pass. What do, what do they call it? A venue, venue pass. Anybody ever been at a big concert, rock concert, and you're on the inside team? You get one of these whoopie doos here, and because you have that, they let you in behind the closed doors. That and your easy pass will get you across the Beacon Newburgh Bridge, but anyway. So I have this poster if anybody wants it because it's going bye-bye anyway. This is from years ago. I was up in Winnipeg, Manitoba. I've told you about it before. Franklin Graham Festival. Paul Brandt, don't know him. Tree 63, I heard him. This guy, Michael Smith, anybody ever heard of this guy? He was up there. I got to sit next to Rebecca St. James, talk to her. She's a nice goyle. The Newsboys, anybody old enough? They're they're back? Hey, you never know. See, I'm out of the loop. Casting crowns. Got to fly home with them. Look at uh, the girls' uh, violin. It was very cool. Anyway, that's a nice poster. See how, see how I valued it so much? I just, I, I'm terrible. That is authority. 
It was authority. It's a gift. It's a privilege. It's given to me to give me access to all these big names. Mere piffle compared to the authority that has been given to the children of God. He gave the right. He gave power, authority, privilege. In fact, the word implies status. All of that's empty status. His status is legit. Child of God, value. You do understand that at the cross of Christ, we are all leveled. Those who hold status in the community, hold status by reason of wealth or history or whatever it might be, in the eyes of God, we are leveled. We all gain the status of children of God. He gives it to those who make him their own. As many as received him, to them he gave power, authority, status to be sons and daughters of God, children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Here's what Paul says about it. He expands it. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us. I want to hold off on the last phrase. I just want to park on the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Grace illustrated, grace incarnated in the person of Jesus. In who? In him. We have redemption through his blood. Want to, what, what's the matter? Didn't you have your devotions this morning? I'm so sorry. Go ahead. Ooh. Why? You don't want me to answer that in front of all these people. Because we think carnally. Next year, I'm hoping to unpack. Well, I'll tell you in advance. We're going to continue on Grace Illustrated. One of my sermons will be church split. I will not teach you how to split a church. We're already too good. We're all too good at that already, right? <laughs> all over the community. That's how, hey, we planted five more churches in the last three years. Yeah, splits, you know. Sorry about that. I digress. Your fault. Your fault. Um, the problem is there's a church split. So now you won't even come. When you see that title, you're not even going to come to church because I'm telling you the answer today. Because every church has a split in it. Did you know that? There's those who think carnally, the way the world thinks, and those who think spiritually, the way the Holy Spirit thinks. Simple as that. Come back for the replay. Got to move on. But you asked. I mean, that's the simplest way. We value things the way the world values. So we run after stuff. We run after toys. You know, I've made this comment before. Uh, the, the bumper sticker, he who dies with the most toys wins. Problem is they believe that. Couldn't be further from the truth. From God's economy, it's exactly the opposite. Correct? You may have all the toys and absolutely lose. In fact, probably will. Uh Aha, I don't have enough time today. Okay, we need a visitation of the Holy Spirit. I don't know how else to put it.
I have no other way to put it. So, we are accepted in Christ. We get status, we get power and authority to enter into faith. Did I answer your question well enough? Okay, I'm not trying to bullet. I'm saying it opens up a humongous can of worms, right? It really does. It really does. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. I'm glad you didn't do your devotions today, so you had those questions. Oh, he did. You know I'm teasing you. Everybody who's worried, I'm teasing him. We're friends. We were, anyway, until about five minutes ago. <laughs> Let me just say this. To as many as received him, to them he gave the power, the authority to be children of God. Redemption through his blood. Can I just mention... Some of us who have been trained in Bible teaching or, or know a little bit about the Bible, the word redemption can be buying back. You all remember that when, we, when I was young, they had green stamps. S&H green stamps. And they had other things like that. Not unlike your, uh, the points you get for using your credit card. Same idea, rewards. But you would collect all these stamps and fill up the book, and then you would redeem the stamps. I see all the old folks smiling at me because they get this. And you'd get a really cool lamp for your living room. And if you had like 18,000 books, you could get a TV, you know. But most anyway, there you go. That was very exciting. Buying back. We get that idea because it does have a slave market implication that we were slaves and Jesus redeemed us and bought us back. But when you see the word redemption in the Bible, the bigger concept, the bigger concept is when God rescued his slaves from Egypt, it was deliverance. So you can almost translate that, we have deliverance through his blood. We have deliverance. We are forgiven for our sins. There's no one in the room that hasn't sinned. We all know that there's something in there that we've done wrong, that we need deliverance. We need forgiveness. We know that. It's deliverance. And not only for past sin, but power against future sin. I can actually walk in the Spirit. It's different, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Here's the point. Be the first. If you're, if you're here today and you don't know that I have taken that unto myself, when this service is over, be the first one up here to talk to me about how to receive Christ and get that authority on your life. To know that you have eternal life. Be the first one up here. Ignore everybody else and, uh, and all the other saints that come here on a regular basis. Give me some space if somebody's talking to me. It's amazing how we don't, we're not alert to other people's spiritual situations. Give me some space, okay? Be the first. Forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he what? Lavished upon us. Which brings me to the last point. Abiding ability. Don't we sing songs called Emmanuel? What is Emmanuel? Emmanuel, last, last part of the L is the word for God, Emmanu, with us, okay? God with us, Emmanuel. Yes, he's with us. He comes to my door. I have no business expecting him because this is sheer grace that he should show up on the planet. Sheer grace. We don't deserve it. 
But not only does he show up on the planet, fulfill the work of redemption, rescuing us, not only does he do that, but he says, I'm going to go away and guess what? I'm going to send another comforter to help you. You're not going to be alone. I'm not going to leave you like orphans. He is still Emmanuel. He still is. It's an abiding ability. The gift, the grace lavished upon us, indwelling us, the whole package becomes ours. That's why John in chapter 1 can say this, For of his fullness we have all received grace upon grace upon grace. How many of you can admit today you have received blessing upon blessing upon blessing? You become a Christian. As soon as you get it, you mean that applies to me? I'm born again. That's like, woohoo! That's good enough. But it doesn't stop there. That's just the beginning. Then from there it starts. You start to discover Here's who I am in Christ. Here's the authority that I have. Here's the gift that God has given me. Here's the ways I can bless God. Here's how I can worship God. Here's how... I'm still on a journey. Been doing this for 45 years. Longer since I've been a Christian. Still learning. Still discovering. Blessing over blessing. Grace upon grace. Lavished on us. And here's the one other thing. So he's, he's abiding with us. He's helping us to live out the Christian life. We're not left alone. We need to respond to that. We need to choose to be spiritual rather than carnal. Since we opened up that can of worms, we'll just park on that a little bit. And he said, well, how do I do that? Well, here's the fun part. Look what it says in that particular passage in John 1. No man has seen God at any time. The unique God, right? The unique God-man, Jesus, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained God. You want to wait till I say what I'm thinking, or do you want to ask, and then I'll answer by preaching my sermon still anyway? <laughs> okay, here we go. By the way, those of you who are visiting wonder why people are interrupting me. It's because I let them. I like it. I like when people ask me questions so I can answer specifically what you need to know. Because what's the point in leaving with unanswered questions? That's, that's wrong. Do you hear me? That's wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. Okay. So. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. This is kind of fun. Preachers, are you preacher types? People thinking you're going into ministry or are in ministry. You need to listen to this one. The word for explained him is exegesis. Isn't that cool? Anybody know what that is? That's what preachers do when they tell you this word means this and this word means this. And you're exegeting, you're explaining, unpacking what the Bible is saying. This tells me that the son, Jesus, when he came into the world, was unpacking, exegeting God. That's why he could say to Philip, Philip says, well, where are you going? You don't know who's there. And he says, don't you know me? You've been with me all these years. Don't you get it? God's been with you here. Jesus did have a self-awareness. Don't let any cultists tell you otherwise. He knew he was the unique Messiah God. He knew it. He didn't know it when he was a little infant. I know exactly the day when he did. No, I'm kidding. 
the only begotten God, that was made up, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has exegeted what God is like. How do I please God? What is he like? What does he want me to do? Look at Jesus, you'll figure it out. It's as simple as that. We ignore him, don't we? Oh, I know all this. I read all those. Oh, no. Dig in. Saturate yourself. Think about what Jesus was thinking and feeling and doing. You will learn what it's like to please the Father in heaven. He's the one that explains it. So he's talking with his disciples one day, and they're overwhelmed with some of his ideas. Like, you know, you need to forgive your enemies. You know those people you hate down the street? Let them go. In fact, why don't you go bring them flowers? Huh? They're like, what? He goes, yeah. And, and pray for those who have been person. You know, the guys that let all the time. I know brothers in ministry where their tires have been slashed and everything else. And, you know, I've had a few threats. I had a guy try to hit me with a baseball bat. But outside of that, it's been pretty boring. And, uh, and, and so you, you have that happen. Why don't, why don't you pray for those who despitefully use you? Why don't you pray for them? What? Yes, that's what I want you to do. Here's what Jesus said. Let me show you this one. Ouch, right? In order that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. That you may look like God. Start following what I do. You may figure it out. He goes on and says, for he he lets the sun and the rain come on the just and the unjust, blah, blah, blah. And then he adds this little thing that's so annoying. Therefore, you're to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. (laughs) We're all doomed. I got to tell you, this this could be a derailment. I hope it isn't. Any of you ever, it was a sci-fi show called Firefly a while back. And you and Sheldon thought it would never end, right? (laughs) Only insiders get that one. But on that show, on that show, there's this unspoken love relationship between Inara and the Captain Captain, uh, Malcolm Reynolds. (laughs) Not Captain Phillips, that's another movie. And And in that show, so... One day they're communicating, and everybody's eavesdropping on their communication. And when they're talking later, he says, they said, oh, yeah, you, you know, you guys, you, you got something going on. He goes, look, this is a trap. Oh, what do you mean? He says, look, it's very simple. Were we arguing? They all said, no. Trap! <laughs> you get it? If they were arguing, all right, so I was afraid it might not be clear, right? If they were fighting, it would be normal. If they weren't fighting, something was wrong. And so he goes, it's a trap. When I read this, sometimes that's what it, I hear that. Trap! Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Trap! You're still not getting what I'm saying, are you? You can't do it. You can't. You can't except by the grace of God. Do you follow? And you're never going to totally do it. Jesus is not entrapping you. Jesus is challenging. You have got to live a life totally dependent on him. That's where things separate. 
receiving, getting authority, becoming a child of God, but I've got to continue. You don't just exercise. I exercised faith once 20 years ago when I received Christ and I know I'm going to heaven. That's good. I'm continually, today I'm exercising faith because I can't live the Christian life without him. It's self-contradictory. You can't. You can't. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. But manifesting some of what Jesus did will manifest clearly what what the Father is like. You'll start to figure it out as you follow him along. Did I answer your question? I did. Wonders never cease. How cool is that, right? So here it is. We didn't deserve grace that came our way. Who showed up at our doorstep? But God himself in the flesh. Make no mistake, there is no other position of any religion that pushes that. In fact, sometimes believers will say, we're not talking about religion, we're talking about a relationship. That's kind of a clever argument. You would still have Christianity cataloged as a religion, but the claims of Christianity are unique in all the earth. If you do comparative religions and you don't just let your brain turn to mush, you will see it is the unique reality of Christianity that God enters into the human dilemma, even though we didn't deserve it. So as I was studying, I discovered this wonderful poem written by Lawrence Hausman. This was in uh, Leon Morris's commentary, New International Critical Commentary of the New Testament. And uh, he was quite the scholar, by the way. He worked on the NIV. Those of you have the NIV? The NIVLE? Yes, that's the book for me. <laughs> Some of my professors worked on it, probably with this brother, Leon Morris, who was phenomenal. He's quoting a gentleman from the early turn of the last century, early 1900s, an illustrator, playwright named Lawrence Hausman. One of the things I love about studying and preparation, I find out all this cool stuff that I didn't know before. Lawrence Hausman wrote this. Light looked down and beheld darkness. Thither will I go, said light. Peace looked down and beheld war. Thither will I go, said peace. Love looked down and beheld hatred. Thither will I go, said love. So came light and shone. So came peace and gave rest. So came love and brought life. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We didn't deserve it, but he came. Let's stand together and pray. We bless your name, Lord, that you did something to rescue a broken, fallen, and and evil world, people who are broken. It, it, It makes the newspaper when we do random acts of kindness because it's so contrary to our nature, our fallen nature. Thank you that, Lord, you are able to transform us that by beholding you, we can understand what the Father is like and we can actually experience some of that perfection, not completely. When we try to be perfect, that is a trap. 
But we can choose to please you and to walk in your spirit. And I believe we make you happy as your children when we do that. Lord, I pray for those of us who um, need to move from that carnal way of thinking into that spiritual way of thinking that you would help us, Lord, because we're helpless apart from you. We need the help of your Holy Spirit. And for those who are listening and uh, wondering, is, is this really true? Bring it home to them today. Holy Spirit, that life eternal is within their grasp if they will simply lay hold of this one Jesus and make him their own. You will give them the pass. You will give them the venue pass, not only to heaven, but to abundant living in the here and now. Bless, I pray. Move upon us. Help us. In the great name of Jesus, we pray. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. amen. Have a wonderful week. If you'd like to talk about getting that power and authority, please be the first one up. Thank you.